Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Solo and the shaky future of the Star Wars anthology, how to grill some awesome kebabs, and the rise and fall of Cliffy B. All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Yes, and we're back for another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We thank you for tuning in each and every week to all of our great shows. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He is the man, the myth and the legend of Humanica Media. You got to check out everything going down on their site, humanicamedia.com. Also as well, his channel on YouTube and all of his great shows, Topic Ocalypse, What About This, the Super BS Games Cast, and Inside Sports on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and so many other outlets. It is my good friend, Josh Peterson. What's going on, man? Oh, hello. Hey, hey. I am here ready to podcast. You're in high def today, so that's that's definitely good. Um, hey, yeah. So if you're watching this through a Samsung TV or something, you're you're in luck. You're in for a treat. What's going on, man? How you doing? I am okay. Uh, I'm wishing everybody out there a safe and happy Memorial Day weekend, especially you, my friend. I hope everything's good down in Cali. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's closing in on uh, the end of the old school year here, so I'm just uh, working up a storm here, you know, because that's I guess what teachers do at the end of the year. Well, I hear you on that because I got two young ladies that are just itching to get out of school. Some of the schools here in Las Vegas area have already gone out. We've got some others finishing off this week, and my girls are definitely so excited to be out for summer very very soon. Plus, we've got hockey fever, but we'll go into that a little bit later on in the broadcast. It's going to be a great episode we've got for you today because we have Rob McCallum in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire. Yet again, he's going to talk about independent movies, independent artists out there when they're making films, and the pressure that's now put on by Netflix because you have to choose between a career and making your independent films for for audiences out there in all the theaters and try to see if you can make it out uh, on your own and branch out from there or do you just take that big check that netflix is just dishing out we're going to talk more about that coming up in the middle of the cosmic crossfire plus also as well ben arno stops by from the smoking hot confessions podcast he's going to talk about one of my favorite grilling treats one of my favorite things to eat and something that is really underrated out there when it comes to the grilling scene, and that is kebabs. He and I both are on the same wavelength in regards to that, and he's got some great tips on some kebabs that you can make out there at home that are really going to be tasty the next time you go barbecuing out there. Hey, even do it when you hear this on Monday. Give it a try. He's going to stop by later as well. And also, we've got coming up later in the broadcast, we've got Jay Bartlett from Star Wars Echo 3 with his review of Solo, A Star Wars Story. Speaking of that movie, (sighs) times may not be good at Lucasfilm and Disney right about now because the numbers came in and Solo, A Star Wars Story actually underperformed everyone's expectations monetarily, not only here domestically in the weekend, but also as well worldwide. It just clearly was not met with overwhelming enthusiasm. 
if may just barely break 100 million dollars for the four-day weekend here in the states and worldwide it may just barely break over 200 million not good numbers for something that was projected to go well over that in fact 130 to 150 was talked about here in the states and over 300 worldwide so that's clearly a downgrade and a disappointment overall its cinema score is actually pretty good about an a minus so people that are going seem to be enjoying it for the most part josh your thoughts on what's going on with solo and more importantly as we break it down even further could this mean a real shakeup when it comes to the Star Wars anthology series that Lucasfilm and Disney want to continue or maybe not after what they saw with Solo? It's the same thing with A Wrinkle in Time. Disney's competing with themselves. You know, Avengers is still doing pretty solid numbers. You know, you got Deadpool in theaters. I don't I mean, th th did that ever did that sale ever go through with Disney and Fox? Not yet, and Comcast could still lay a hand in that somewhere. They still might have a dog in that fight. So eventually, by the end of the year, it may end up not even going to Disney after all. Well, hopefully their movie releases aren't as slow as their internet. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, they're competing with themselves, and that's a, that's a problem. Like Avengers, there is goodwill towards Star Wars, but not as much as there was before let me ask you this if you got to choose if you hadn't seen either of them yet and you had to pick between seeing avengers infinity war and a new star wars film what would you pick well i i think that's an easy question to answer because of the fact that i've invested as i've said this before i've invested so much in the marvel cinematic universe i have to go ahead and say avengers infinity war because i've watched all 18 films prior and i would be just shorting myself if i didn't actually watch infinity war at all Right. So this is, you know, this is that they're competing with themselves and like people are going back for double, triple viewings of Avengers Infinity War. The problem is Disney's just they have too many big movies out at once. If Avengers wasn't out or wasn't still in theaters, I think Solo's numbers would be doing a little bit better. But, um, you know, between the Rotten Tomatoes thing and having uh, Avengers out right now and just the the fan criticism towards uh what's his name alden em emmerich the guy playing han solo alden ironreich yeah there's just i think this is one of those star wars movies that or it's one of those movies in general that people are probably just going to wait till it comes out on Redbox to watch but i want to see it but i don't know man and you know as for the future of the anthology films i <laughs> Are, this could, you know, I could be wrong on both those things. This could be, uh, you know, the first case we're seeing of Star Wars burnout. Who knows, man? Maybe they'll, they'll have to, you know, plot the next movie at a time when there's not another big movie out and then see how that does. And if the numbers are still down, then that might be something to these anthology films might be something to reconsider. You're right. They may have to reevaluate it because. I think the disappointment coming with Solo, I think there was a lot of mistakes that they made uh, that you and I have talked about over the past few weeks and months when it comes to this movie. First off, the change in directors was never a good sign, but they did something similar when it came to Rogue One. So it's not exactly earth shattering that they did something like that because of what things they did and what how much they had to reshoot Rogue One before it even came out. I also think that they came out with a date way too late in the game for solo a star wars story i know i mean how many weeks was i was i saying that i thought it was going to be delayed because they had not yet given a release date for that film yeah you're saying that for a long time and just it it was rough out the gate because the you know the um the lego movie guys that just they that whole thing when you heard about what their vision for the film was it made you question in the first place and they wanted it to be such a spectacle in the movie was so expensive all the set pieces so expensive to make that they almost ron howard came in and from what i understand behind the scenes the movie was almost unsalvageable that is obviously played into it a little bit and the negative vibe from that but even if they did make it as well you know 10 times better 30 times better 100 times better than what was originally planned with the directors of the lego movie what they had envisioned it's still the fact that they didn't show a trailer until what until this calendar year, I believe, and then also didn't mention a release date until what pretty much two months out, and then also the fact that they, like you said, they are 
just right on top of each other with a wrinkle in time. They got just bamboozled by the fact that Black Panther was still week after week scoring it big at the box office. You brought out Wrinkle in Time. That got kicked to the curb real quick. And it looks like Solo, a Star Wars story, unfortunately, will be as well. I'm still going to check it out this week. But you're right. Avengers Infinity War came out. That also you know, really laid in there. Too much going on as far as the Disney Empire. And then you have Incredibles 2 coming out in about two weeks, making it even more complicated than you have Five Disney pictures within a span of what over a little over three months? That's not good. That's not good at all. And you have issues when it comes to audiences out there, they just begin to become apathetic. And like you said, there was Star Wars burnout. There was also some fatigue setting in because the last Jedi didn't perform as well from The Force Awakens. There was a lot of negative feedback when it came to the last jedi i know a lot of people like yourself didn't really care for it at all i just thought it would have been a better idea if you've already got it made and in the can to just release it in december i think giving a year buffer time would have been better for that movie i just thought that they wanted to go ahead and pigeonhole and shoehorn a movie into the memorial day weekend because they felt like they had to have it instead of just saying okay deadpool you got that weekend. It's all yours. We'll go ahead still with the leftovers with Avengers Infinity War and be okay with that. We've got Incredibles 2 on the way. Or even if you're really just so compelled to be on Memorial Day weekend, move up Incredibles to Memorial Day weekend. And you have that there, which is different enough from what you had before, which could have fared a lot better than Solo if you would have put Incredibles 2 in that Memorial Day weekend slot if you really wanted to put something there and then just save Solo for the holiday season. Yeah, see, that was weird to me, too, that they wanted to uh, put it out so close to The Last Jedi. It Star Wars is kind of, it's a holiday movie. They should just kind of stick to that yearly release schedule. So are we getting anything in t- next year? We are getting Star Wars Episode Nine at the end of next year. So there will be a year and a half leeway time to Episode Nine, which is great for J.J. Abrams' project. But for Ron Howard, I think a, a lot of it was hampered by the fact that you weren't on a yearly basis and there was still a lot of bad vibes coming from The Last Jedi. Yeah, and you know, it. I don't blame any of this on Ron Howard either because he, he was just he was the cleanup guy. He got they put a mess in his hands and he did the best he could with it. So I, I, I mean, I don't know if it's bad yet. I'm going to go see it with this. If the critics all hate this movie, I think there's a high probability that I'm going to like it since the critics all. So I don't know. Star Wars is weird. I have to go check it out, though. Most of the critics I, I've listened to and read, they are thinking that it was OK. And that seems to be the running theme as well for the Star Wars movies, which could be another reason why solo a star wars story i'm underperformed was that you have the force awakens you have rogue one and you have the last jedi all three were basically rated as average movies these are not considered high up for the most part on the star wars movie ladder so to me i just think it's the fact that you bring out uh okay movies pretty good movies at best you're not bringing out those home runs that you had with the original Star Wars or you had with the Empire Strikes Back and even to some, you know, depending on who you talk to, Return of the Jedi, that you just had that winning combination and it seems more like it's leaning towards the prequel type quality, the thoughts that people have when they were watching and trying to understand what was going on with the prequels as well. So it seems to me like they had a chance to create these stories and make them and polish them and make them memorable enough to the audience as the originals did way back in the 70s and the 80s. But they chose instead to just go ahead and, and craft them in a way and just almost like a factory, just put them out year after year after year. And instead, you've created a list of just average to above average movies that are Almost in comparison to the prequels, but they haven't really hit those depths yet because those prequel movies are really bad to most people that you talk to. So, But when it comes right down to it, 
the Lucasfilm and Disney, obviously the $4 billion is what they see and they're trying to get their money back as fast as possible to regain and recoup that money as quick as they can. So they felt the need to go ahead and produce Star Wars movies each and every year in order to make up for that and not realizing that with the Star Wars name and the Star Wars legacy, you can make all this money in a long run that will definitely trounce whatever you paid for the product. You know, I think that what you just said shows a problem in itself that is motivated by money. When they tell you it's not about the money, it's about the it, money. It is. It's always about the money. And I, I totally get that because these movies cost so much money to make and everyone's got to get paid. And then plus, you know, there's got to be a profit on top of that. But it's just, you know, th- this is a, the problem, in my opinion, that most Warner Brothers films have is that every... You know, every DC film is designed to sell a toy or to uh, sell a T-shirt or to promote an agenda of some kind. Like it's all everything has to be in there. So whoever is writing these scripts or directing these films like they've I don't blame them at all for any of these films being bad because they got their hands tied. They just got the the execs breathing so heavy down their neck. I always like that. Marvel has a little more freedom to do the things that they want. But with big properties like Star Wars, like I. You know, I, I don't blame the movies being bad on the direct, except I do blame Rian Johnson. You know, that's neither here nor there. But, you know, you know what I yeah, you know, episode eight, right? Episode eight. Yeah. But I mean, money, 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 man. <laughs> uh, money, yeah. money, 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 yeah, money, money. Right. I think it's going to be a long time until we get a Star Wars that feels original and gritty. And I'm hoping that the guys from Game of Thrones are going to be able to deliver something like that. So where does that leave this anthology series? We've seen the poor performance of Solo, a Star Wars story, this weekend. Again, it's first world problems because it did garner, what, around $100 million for a four-day weekend. A lot of movies would love to do that. But to a Star Wars, Disney, conglomerate, Lucasfilm, that whole entity, obviously it did not perform anywhere close to where it should have. I want to ask you this, Josh. Where does this leave the Star Wars anthology series as a whole? Because we've talked about in past episodes what may be upcoming, including Ian McGregor coming back in an Obi-Wan story. Everybody was talking right around the premiere of the Solo movie. Everybody was talking about a Lando movie, possibly. And then we got word this past week that James Mangold, the director of Logan, which was such a great movie last year, was hired to pen and also direct a Boba Fett movie as well. So where does this leave the Star Wars saga in regards to these anthology series? I think it leaves it on shaky ground because as you and I have seen over the course of our years uh, trying to understand the movie industry, all it takes is one movie that performs horribly at the box office to change opinions in the movie industry all around when it comes to how they foresee a series remember last year with the mummy and the dark universe that universal had planned all it took was the the mummy just tanking at the box office and the whole dark universe seemed to have been tanked there's been rumors it might be brought back up again but for the most part it's been really quiet when it comes to the dark universe because honestly like here's the thing Nobody wanted the anthology films in the first place. No Star Wars fan was like, I want to see what happened. This Rogue One was really good, but everyone... I kind of disagree with you on that. Rogue One, to me, was kind of a eh-type film to me. I, I place The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and Rogue One all right around each other as far as interest level for me is concerned. It sounds like you enjoyed it. From what, what I remember our, in our conversations, you, you liked it a lot more than I did. I didn't walk out hating it. I went in, I got a story, I got a complete story. Uh, it's not a film that I wanted to see, but at the same time, I don't regret watching it. But Star Wars has always done a really good job of telling you in their mainline entries what happened at these points in time. And they say, they talk enough about it that you you don't feel the need to go back and feel like, oh man, I would love to see this happen. I'd love to see that. Like people saying, I'd love to see Yoda movie, Yoda training, you know, with the other Yodians or whatever they're called. I, I just, I don't need <laughs> Yodians. like there's, there's, that's enough for me. All they got to do is mention it in the movie and that's it. I don't need to see like an anthology film. So yeah, like a Boba Fett, you know, we've, we talked about this Boba Fett. I, I could 
care less about a Boba Fett movie. And like I, I even put out on Facebook the other night, like, why do people like Boba Fett? And nobody actually gave me a good answer. So it's a money thing. The anthology films are not I don't think they're made as much for Star Wars fans as much as they are just to uh, fill the coffers over at Disney. I can understand why a lot of people have a lot of issues when it comes to The Last Jedi and Rian Johnson making his own Star Wars universe after Episode Nine, and also the Game of Thrones writers doing their own universe as well. I'm hoping one of those two universes will actually connect with audiences, but things aren't looking so rosy anymore for the Star Wars universe, especially after the disappointment that is Solo. A Star Wars story. What are your thoughts on Solo, A Star Wars Story? Did you go watch it? Did you enjoy it? We'd love to hear your feedback on it. Or are you just tired of the Star Wars series? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanity Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Jay Bartlett will be by later in the show to review Solo, A Star Wars Story. So hopefully he can change some of these negative vibes with some positivity on how he feels about the movie itself. Also, we've got coming up is Rob McCallum in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire talking about Netflix, trying to buy up a lot of the independent movie scene. And then also Ben Arnaud from the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. He's going to tell us about the wonders of grilling kebabs, and you're missing out if you're not grilling yourself some good kebabs. He's got a couple ideas that you you might want to hear this because they are definitely a delicious-sounding recipe. Plus, on the back end, Josh and I are going to be talking about the rise and fall of the creator of Gears of War. It is Cliff Buzinski. All this and a lot more. Hope you're sticking around with us. We truly appreciate it. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. This year, we're set to release Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. And we're back once again with another edition of the Cosmic Crossfire. This is Gerald coming back right at you here. And of course, it wouldn't be a Cosmic Crossfire without my good friend. He is the man, the myth, the legend behind Rob McCallum Films. You gotta check out all the great projects that he's working on today at robmccallumfilms.com, including the latest project that they're trying to get fully funded on kickstarter.com. That is The Galaxy of Hope, the outstanding, unofficial Star Wars documentary that they want to work on, but it can only happen with your help. That's Galaxy Hope on Kickstarter.com today. And, of course, it's my good friend. It is Mr. Rob McCallum. What's up, my friend? Oh, so much is up. So much is up. Con saying a big F you to Netflix as a buyer at their market. Have you been reading about this as of late? A little bit, yeah. Here and there is that's kind of funny with you know using that terminology, but yeah, it definitely seems to be apropos in regards to this case. Essentially, uh, there was a lot of back and forth whether Khan was going to allow Netflix to screen films that will actually never be theatrical. And the hoopla, the short version, is Netflix pulled all their films from Khan and decided that they were going to be the big spender with everything that was in the marketplace. And they were just going to buy everything to show everybody that they could do it and you can't be bullied around. Well, on at least three occasions, according to a Hollywood Report article, the streamer lost out to distributors with much, much smaller wallets. You can check out, like I said, the article in the Hollywood Reporter. There is an opening night drama that starred Penelope Cruz and Javier Bardem called Everybody Knows. And that went to Focus Films. Mad Milkinson star Arctic went to Bleecker Street. And a Colombian drug trade drama, Birds of Passage, went to The Orchard, which is a very small 
boutique distributor. Netflix wanted this last one in particular, Birds of or Birds of Passage, the one that went to Orchard, because it would have been such great companion viewing to Narcos, which is their biggest original series worldwide in terms of appeal globally. And they even made a seven-figure deal for this film, and they still lost out to Orchard. And one of the big reasons that dealmakers are saying that they're losing out despite having the, the bigger wallet is people... And the filmmakers specifically want that theatrical release. They want that slow burn. They want it out there on the big picture. Then they want to go to these second windows where it's out on DVD and out on disc. Even if it's not going to make as much money in the long run, they want that theatrical experience that Netflix seems to be circumventing. And I got to tell you, when you see the attitude of a partner, we're saying, F you, we're going to do it anyways. It doesn't give me the, the warm and fuzzies to sign up with them. I don't care how much money you have at all. I'm going to kind of back away a little bit. What, what are your thoughts on Netflix? trying to bully Khan around and Khan saying no, and then filmmakers stepping up and say, hey, you can't buy us just because you have the money. Two things on that. First off, yes, from an artistic standpoint, it does make sense that both Khan and also as well, uh, well, you say Khan, I say Khan. Khan film Khan, tomato, tomato, integral, integral. There you go, exactly. I will say that I'm not surprised with, can coming out the way they did because you, you hear the fact that they want to keep their films that are presented there for the most part. Sometimes they will showcase larger big budget films. Those major film festivals try to incorporate independent films and keep them as much as they can within that realm. And they feel that if Netflix comes along with their big pocketbook, that's going to taint that, especially if they try to buy up all of the actual films that are there that have any type of promise as far as reaching a mass audience. So I can understand it from that point of view, but from also a filmmaker point of view, I mean, filmmakers for the most part see things in an artistic sense and they don't always want to go ahead with the bigger picture. They want to make sure that they have full control of their actual film from beginning to end as much as possible. I know you feel that way about all your projects and, and you want to make sure that you have at least a hand or a say in what's going on from beginning to end if you can. With some of these projects that don't have the luxury of maybe showcasing a larger star or a larger vehicle that they could go ahead and show out to a mass audience that will get the kind of screens and theaters that they're looking for if it does go to the theaters. Maybe sometimes just passing it up for the sake of artistic value may not be the wisest decision long term, not only for the current project that they're trying to work on or that they have ready to release, but also for their future of the production company, their films, and so on and so forth. So you have to take that balance into consideration. Do you always have to sell out to the mighty dollar? No, you don't. But it always has to be something that you have to weigh what is the best for myself and my project now and also going forward. I just think it's a really interesting conundrum in that you get a film into a film festival to be screened theatrically and then you have somebody who wants to buy it to stick it on a, a, a digital library and basically pull away the uniqueness of the event that you're at. It's almost counterintuitive that you would go to something that is, is promoting it to sell it to somebody who wants to basically just put it part of this massive library where other people may discover it. You know what I mean? It's taking all the power away and, and giving the filmmaker nothing except for dollars back on whatever they've been able to showcase leading up to that deal-making moment. And for a lot of these filmmakers, uh, having their film at con or can is, is that big kind of flag to wave who knows where it could go after that in terms of awards and other accolades. But you might not even get those opportunities if Netflix says, no, we're just going to keep it in our library. Because you're not going to qualify for the Globes or for the Oscars unless you have a theatrical run in certain specific cities of X number of screens, X number of days and stuff. And that's pretty important to some people that sign on to make these films and for the filmmakers themselves. And basically all that opportunity and all that brand awareness and marketing push gets taken away just for a check that gets handed over. And that's fine if you're just trying to do your next film and you want it that way. But I think it, there's more to it than just buying a film because you can. 
It's, I think it's very akin to stuff that we talk about on the video game side of things, Gerald, where digital uh, purchases versus going to get a retail copy and the significance of having a physical disc versus a digital copy of it. There's just an intangible value in having an asset go through that process of getting put out there and being a part of that, that marketing push that you don't get when it's instantly uh, achievable or attainable. I could agree more on that. And like I said, it is a balance. You've got to look at the here and now and the logistics of for your project or your film. What is the best thing in mind, not only for that project that you're working on or that your project that you want to show out there to people, but also long term for your career as well. And, the, and also the stability of the production company that works behind it. Because as you know, Rob, all it takes is one failure and that could do a lot of damage to not only your career, but everybody who works with you as well. Yeah, and you really got to be careful about what that failure is and what you've got coming out. And so if you can make stuff quickly, those failures can disappear just as quickly as long as you got enough hits kind of lined up or or stuff going in the, in the right direction at the very least. It's something that I'm very conscious about when I sign on to projects. You don't want to back the, the mules, so they say you always want to back the Mustangs. But I want to make sure and let everybody know again, if you've got $5 even five dollars 10 15 20 25 that's great even more if you want to go ahead and, and contribute to a tier but if you've got five dollars just go ahead and go over to kickstarter.com search out galaxy hope join up today and you know, at least like i said for a digital copy just five dollars and and you'll be glad you did because it makes so much sense for this to be actually filmed because it's going to be so feel good about not only about what is going to be shown when it comes to auctioning off this and where it's going and the charity that it's going to, but also the adventure that you could help Rob and Jay make in acquiring all these great Star Wars artifacts and collectibles. $5 gets you a digital download, DRM-free, Kickstarter, Galaxy Hope, get to see some cool comic shops and vintage toy stores from a, from across North America, and you get to see the impact that fandom has. It's Force for a Good, folks. $5 in the Force gets you a copy of our film. Go to Kickstarter today and check it out. And maybe next time, Gerald, we can talk about box art as well because a lot of things are happening behind the scenes. Half the series is cut now. I can actually talk about specifics because I know how it's flowing. Lots of good stuff happening there. Can't wait to talk about Box Art, the documentary. But again, another thing we got to hit on out, all these projects going just wild all over the place, Missing Mom on Amazon Prime, and Kitty, the documentary, Origins and Evolutions. Kitty, Origins, Evolutions. Missing Mom is still going very well on uh, Amazon Prime. Lots of people reaching out saying how much it's impacted them, and they're picking up the phone, calling loved ones, and going on a search for, for their missing loved ones because they're inspired by the things that we try to accomplish in, in Missing Mom and the results that we get. And hey, there should be some He-Man release details soon as well, which uh, I, I know that you're excited and looking forward to. I am. I actually uh, got a little sneak peek a little bit of it, and uh, I have some thoughts that are ready on it, so you never know what may happen when it comes to He-Man. He-Man. <laughs> That'll do it for this episode, I think, folks. If you have any questions for Rob and I, just let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanic Media, GameSource, and Rob McCallum Films on Facebook and at Rob McZob on Twitter as well. Rob, as always, it's great to have you aboard, my friend. I wish you a great week. I wish you continued success with the Kickstarter campaign for Galaxy Hope and all my best to you with all your projects and also the new family as well. So just all the best to you on that, my friend. Thanks so much, and uh, we'll see you next week. Coming up next, we've got Ben Arnault of the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast, Talking Kebabs. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Mmm, nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. Pop Culture Cosmos listeners, 
Act now and get 15% off your order just by entering the promo code POD1, that's P-O-D and the number one at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheeliq.com. And we are back once again. It's Gerald from the Pop Culture Cosmos. I got to tell you, every time he comes on the air, it's always a pleasure, but it always leaves me hungrier than before I started talking to him. If you get a chance, and you got to make sure you do it on a full stomach again, because you'll be very hungry if you do. You got to listen to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast available on, of course, Apple Podcasts and so many other podcast outlets. Plus also as well, if you want the best tips in grilling, barbecue, and anything else that you want to do as far as outdoor cooking, you got to check out SmokingHotConfessions.com. It's my good friend from the beautiful country known as Australia, Ben Arnaud. What's going on, man? Mate, I'm super excited. I'm super happy to be on the show again. While I have you here with us right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos, one of the things I wanted to bring up to you is kebabs. I think kebabs to me are something that is highly underrated as far as grilling, food, that whole type of thing. I I think it gets often forgotten about with a lot of people, but when they have one, they really like it and they usually go for two or three more but they seem to forget about it every now and then unless it comes like in a barbecue format. I want to ask you your thoughts on kebabs and what makes a good kebab, a shish kebab or or any type of kebab that that you've seen, tasted, or grilled yourself that really goes over well with people out there. Well, mate, I actually think that you're ahead of your time. I think kebabs are going to be the next big thing to come back to barbecue. So at least here in Australia, about sort of 25, 30 years ago, Every time you went to someone's house for a barbecue, it was kebabs, kebabs everywhere. And I think that they're due for a, for a comeback. I think we've seen the burger craze. That's definitely been a thing for about the last three or four years. We're starting to see some Korean influences. There's a whole lot of Korean food, new pop-ups and things coming. I think the next one after that, we're going to see a, re- a resurgence of the kebab. It's, it's very much the forgotten hero of the barbecue. And, uh, and as you're coming into summer, they are perfect for summer because you can do things, you can do all sorts of things. You can put vegetables on them, you can put fruits on them. One of the things that I love to do, I've got one particular recipe where I will use a long piece of streaky bacon and I will thread that around uh, alternating between shrimp or prawns as we call them here, between prawns and pieces of pineapple. And I'll thread the bacon in and out around that so it ends up all on, on one big kebab stick, and then I baste it with a maple-based glaze as it's cooking. Oh, my and, dear uh, goodness gracious me, oh, my. Oh, <laughs> that's just three of my favorite things in life right there. My, yeah, there you go. You're going to send me to the store after this. I'm telling you, man, you just you got to stop it. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, but that's just so delicious to have those three together. And when you're grilling it, though, how do you make sure you get an even flow as far as the grilling is concerned on a kebab? Because I know that sometimes it can be a drawback because one side often will will appear to be and actually taste better cooked than the other. Yeah, well, part of the reason for that is because if you're cooking on on a rounded kebab stick, if the kebab stick is more shaped like a tube, then what happens is as you grab that and you try and turn it on the barbecue grill, the stick turns inside the food. So not necessarily all the pieces of food are turning over at the same time. Some of them will stick to the stick and they'll turn over. And some of them, the stick will just spin inside the food and the food itself won't actually turn over. So one of the things that I found is I've had to really hunt around to find a particular set of uh, kebab sticks that I like, but they're, they're more sort of squared. They're like a box tube shape so that what you've got then is you've got four corners driving the food like a drive shaft turns a cog on a car. That makes sure that every time you turn the handle, you're turning the food. So all the pieces of food on the stick are getting rolled over at the same time. And that's how I make sure that I get a nice even cook across everything. If you can't find them and you're using the little round wooden skewers, instead of sticking them straight through the center, put one a little bit off center and then another one a little bit off center. So you're actually using two kebab sticks per kebab and then grab the two sticks at the same time and turn the whole lot over. And that way you'll, you'll guarantee that you get a nice even cook. Oh, that's awesome indeed. When you're cooking kebabs, 
the one thing I want to ask is, do you have a preference when it comes to kebabs, lamb, chicken, pork, beef, vegetable, and like you mentioned earlier, fruits as well? Is there one type of item you actually like to cook the most when it comes to kebabs because you found that it actually cooks better in that type of environment than maybe something else that you try to throw on a kebab? I'm really glad that you asked that actually because one of my favorite things at the moment to cook on my grill period is lamb savlaki. And uh, I've, I've come up with my own little take on that, which I actually cook it on kebab sticks. And the, the beauty of kebabs is that you can cook a whole meal on it. As I said before, you can put on fruit and veggies. And just because you cook it that way doesn't necessarily mean that that's the way you need to present it. So what I actually do is um, on my gas grill, I will set up my hot plate and my grill and I'll grill my lamb savlaki marinated kebabs on, on one side. And on the hot plate, I'll actually mix up my own pita bread and I'll grill it on the, on the hot plate on the pita bread. So I'm fresh grilling pita bread as I'm doing my lamb souvlaki. And then I slice open that pita bread, throw in that fresh marinade lamb souvlaki and then throw a bit of, couple of bits of niswa salad in on top of that. It's happy days. Oh my gosh. And for a full Greek flavor, all you got to do is throw in the tzatziki sauce, I believe it's called. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, you're just, you're, you're terrible, man. You're, you're so mean to me when you do these things and you describe so much good food out there. Gosh, I'm not going on a diet whenever I talk to this man. It is Ben Arno. He is from the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. It is the most delectable podcast out there on the internet today. You can find it at Apple Podcasts and so many other different outlets, plus all the great recipes, interviews, and articles he has available on smokinghotconfessions.com. Oh my gosh, it's so delicious. Every time I just hear all the stuff that you talk about, it's just so incredible. Why do we need to listen out there to your awesome podcast and also as well check out your awesome site besides me just getting even hungrier? Well, mate, I love to dive deep into the topics. I like to get right in there and get right to the heart of it. So season two was released just a little while ago. In there, I wanted to explore the world of barbecue business. So I picked 15 different barbecue business models and I tracked down who were leaders in that field. And I interviewed 15 different people from 15 different business models and we really explored what the world of barbecue business looks like. The season before that, season one, that was comp ready. So I got into what does it mean to be a competitive barbecuer and what are 10 lessons that you'd need to learn before you went into your first barbecue competition. I average about an hour long. Each one of those episodes is a real deep dive into a particular topic that you're going to need to know if that's what you want to do. So that's, that's sort of where I, where I go with that. Season 1.5 is out there as well. And that's something that I just sort of did between the two. It was a bit of fun. I grabbed my audio recorder and I went to a bunch of different barbecue festivals around Australia last year. And I just hit the pavements and just interviewing different uh, pit masters, different suppliers, different vendors, different promoters. And just to really share the atmosphere, share the feeling of barbecue competition. Season three is coming out soon. I actually recorded that while I was in the States because we went on this three-week road trip through Texas, across to Louisiana and up into Arkansas. And all the way through, I was stopping at different, uh, different barbecue joints and meeting different competitors and different barbecue charity organizations. And I got to interview a whole bunch of different people for that as well. So that's going to be coming out soon, and that is going to be a, basically an examination of, of different barbecue styles through three different states in America there. And why do I need to check out SmokingHotConfessions.com other than checking out, obviously, those great recipes? But I know you've got a lot of great stuff there, but you need to tell everybody out there why SmokingHotConfessions.com is a place to check out either from their computer or their mobile phone. There are more than just recipes on that website. You are right there. I do write a lot of sort of general media style articles on the topic of barbecue. So if I have an interview with somebody, for example, that they might bring up a topic that sparks something in my mind and I'll go and I'll explore that and I'll write up an article on that. There's all sorts of different how-tos, different tip articles on there as well. For example, one of the most confusing things that barbecuers can get into is when they start looking at offset smokers. And it can be really confusing, like, you know, what size, what shape, what configuration do you get? And so I explored that and I wrote a big article on that. So that's up there as well. So there's all that sort of stuff there as well. It's not just recipes. It's the whole scene in general. Well, I see right now just by the categories that you have, 
the competitions, the creations, the how-tos on barbecuing. You've got interviews there, like you said, obviously a link to your podcast, reviews as far as a lot of barbecue going on. You've also got great stories that are on the site and a lot of other things as well. So they do need to check it out if they're interested at all in the grilling scene. It is smokinghotconfessions.com. And of course, it is Smoking Hot Confessions on Apple Podcasts and so many other various outlets as well. I'll tell you what, Ben, it's just always great to have you on the show. I feel 10 pounds heavier though, but I am okay as always. Uh, <laughs> just, just the way you describe things, like you said one time when we talked previously, it's just in your nature to do so and, and nobody does it better than you as far as describing how delectable the grilling scene is. So great to have you on the show today, my friend. That's very kind words from you, mate. I certainly appreciate that. Enjoy the weather there. Oh, I will indeed enjoy the weather down there in that um, um, frosty Australia down there. Yeah, yeah <laughs> indeed. You had to close the window. Oh, <laughs> but it's been great having you on the show, Ben. Coming up next, it's Jay Bartlett from Star Wars Echo 3 and Galaxy of Hope reviewing Solo, a Star Wars story. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. What is the Geekly Oddcast? It's a panel show of television. I mean, seriously, where else was I supposed to go and watch Gomez Adams ride a rocket ship on a railroad track? Gaming. And the dice say... 17. Oh my god, 17 is Mystic Quest. And whatever comes to mind. Why does Zod need a starship? Alternating Thursdays on The Geekly Oddcast. We are back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald coming back right at you again. Well, Josh and I discussed earlier what happened this weekend at the box office for Solo and its outlook with the anthology movies and whatnot. But we got to know, is the movie itself worth going out to the theaters? Is it something that after all the production delays, after all the issues, directorial changes, cast changes, possibly even story and script changes, is Solo a Star Wars story still a movie that you need to go and see and need to complete as far as your Star Wars collection? Well, who better to review Solo a Star Wars story than our good friend? He is not only the head of Star Wars Echo 3, the great Star Wars community that he has based in Canada, but also as well one of the stars in Nintendo Quest and one of the people behind Galaxy of Hope, the great project that you got to go ahead and check out today on kickstarter.com. That's kickstarter.com slash galaxy hope. You go ahead, please invest in a tier, whether it's just the $5 digital copy or so much more and help contribute to that great cause today. It is my good friend, Jay Bartlett. All right, man. Thanks for coming on and telling us about solo a star Wars story. I'm excited. I'm just curious. Is it you just woke up? It's like eight in the morning there, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. It is. It's okay, man. I just just got I had to go ahead and make sure that this episode had a review of Solo because it's just oh. so important for the Star Wars saga, and it's just so important that this opinion gets told out there because there's so much going on. A lot of it negative. I'm not going to be dishonest with you, my friend. A lot of it negative in regards to the buzz and and all the stuff that happened. And Solo had a lot of stuff going against it. But as a film, when you sit down and watch it, is it something worth watching? It is. Yeah. And it met my expectations. We discussed on your show a few weeks ago how I was excited to see a Star Wars film that wasn't, as I call it, the fate of the galaxy film. Where it wasn't like, you know, we've got to kill the bad guys or they're going to blow up the universe kind of thing. It was nice to see... A Star Wars movie revolving around crime syndicate, gangsters, no force users, and it and it it, uh, it met my expectations. And actually, I'm really really excited to check it out again because there's, as you can imagine, right, Ron Howard and George are like that. So there is so much little like name drops and cameos and little creatures running by, and you're like, hey, isn't that you know? It's like you really want to check it out a second time to see all the little cool things that they added. Well, also, you got to consider this, that what Rob McCallum has always mentioned about why he liked 
Rogue One so much is that it showed that gritty underworld that is the Star Wars universe that is below the and, and beneath the Jedi Order and, and all that between the Republic and the Rebels and, and all that stuff that's going on with the Empire and, and all that. This is a side of the Star Wars universe that many of us wanted to see. Does it portray that well? Does it portray that gritty underworld style that Rob McCallum has not only mentioned, but you also were hoping as well? Absolutely. It's a very dark movie, and I don't mean necessarily the tone, but the picture itself is very dark. There's not a whole lot of well-lit parts. So you really get that sense of the seedy underground. I could talk a lot about the cast. Alden Ehrenreich is fantastic. Uh, You know, we've heard a lot of People complaining about, you know, he needed an acting coach and blah, 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 this and that. I saw Han Solo. I've let go of Harrison Ford being the only one who's donning that now. And I saw Han Solo, the, the whole movie. And the first time that you see Donald Glover, the first time Lando is on screen, you just hear him. And Gerald, oh my God, I thought it was Billy D. Like his voice, he has it perfect. But you don't want it to be just a two-hour imitation of Billy Dee Williams and Harrison Ford. As someone who, like I've said before, Solo is my favorite character and Lando's not too far behind. Those two are really iconic characters with me. Yes, you want somebody that is going to play the role faithfully to that character. You don't exactly want an impersonation of Harrison Ford and Billy Dee Williams for two hours. You want them to go ahead and bring something to the role themselves. Absolutely, and they do. Alden didn't really remind me of Harrison Ford as much as he reminded me of Han, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Probably more to the character than exactly who is playing it. Yeah, and Han 21 in this movie, so he's very young. You're going to dig it, man. You're really going to dig it. You see where he came from, how he got his name, why he is the way he is. How he met Chewbacca is very different than what we were shown, you know, through the novels and stuff, which is also a really cool scene. But it's absolutely fantastic. It ranks up there with me. Um, when I saw Rogue One, I wanted to see it again, but I wasn't like, oh, I got to see this again. But Solo, I want to go like right now and see it again. You're saying to me that it's a can't-miss movie this summer. You got to go check it out. It is Solo, a Star Wars story. But one last thing before we go, my friend. It is Galaxy Hope. It is in the final week as far as on Kickstarter. Please share to everyone out there why you think Galaxy Hope is a great project to back on kickstarter.com today. Galaxy of Hope is uh, something that has been in the works for two years since I started Echo 3. It's a story of hope. And until you really see these people that actually need the help and what it does to them in their day, I, I can't describe it. The auction that we have planned is still going forward with Echo 3. We want to document it, of course, and show it to the world because we think it's very inspirational. And once again, I'm a, a big believer that Star Wars belongs to all of us. It doesn't belong to one group. And I think this film is a love letter to that and will showcase it. Once again, it is Galaxy Hope. Back it today. You can just back it for $5, a digital copy, or so much more if you want your name in the credits, if you want your business in the credits. you can. There's tiers for that too. Just a ton of options that are there for you. You got to check it out today. Galaxy of Hope on Kickstarter. That's kickstarter.com slash Galaxy Hope. Please back it today. There's only a week left to do so. So you got to check it out today. Kickstarter.com, Galaxy of Hope. Jay, it's always a great talking to you, my friend. We appreciate you taking the time to share your thoughts and your review on Solo, A Star Wars Story. I'm going to go check it out based on your recommendation, and I hope a lot of other people do as well. So we have to definitely do a show after you've seen it, or at the very least, just chat, because since Han is your favorite character, I I want to know your opinion on everything. Well, I've got my solo shirt ready. I am going to go check it out this week. Also, as well, I've got my Star Wars band sneakers also shined up and ready to go. I'm geeking out, man. And it's going to be this week when I go check out Solo, a Star Wars story. I hope it lives up to your expectations. I can't imagine if they did like a Luke Skywalker movie, you know, that's a lot of pressure. So (laughs) there you go. There you go. Maybe they will. Maybe they will at some point. Jay, it's always great talking to you. It's always great having you on the show. And of course, a part of 
the pop culture cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald thanking you so much for sticking around and enjoying the program. Thanks so much to Rob McCallum for being in the middle of Cosmic Crossfire, Jay Bartlett for reviewing Solo, A Star Wars Story, and of course, Ben Arnaud telling us some great recipes on making some great kebabs. Josh, before we head on out, there's some things I wanted to talk about recently when it comes to the creator of Gears of War, and that's Cliff Brzezinski. How much are you familiar with his work, and how big a fan were you in regards to the Gears of War series? I was a fan of the Gears of War series, but I wasn't really that big into any of his other projects. I know Lawbreakers was supposed to be a, a big thing, and we checked that out at E3 last year, but it, I just, it was never something I wanted to pick up. And then, you know, poor guy having that game come out in the midst of all the uh, Battle Royale stuff, but it's tragic. It just goes to show you the video game industry is, it's just not what it used to be. But what, what are your thoughts on them? Uh, well, to give everybody an update on what's going on, the reason why he's actually the, the topic of our conversation is he recently closed down his studio, Radical Heights, which, like you said, was the creator of Lawbreakers. And just uh, unfortunately, Lawbreakers just did not connect with an audience with Fortnite, with H1Z1, with PUBG, and most importantly, with the game that it tried to most emulate in Overwatch. It just couldn't compete with it. It just was a, like like you said, it just was not a game that was going to be able to connect with a large audience. And it just didn't work out for him. I mean, this is something that, that he was, was obviously very sad about. Uh, he's now what in, in retirement. He's trying to get out of the game scene for now. I'm sure there will be some temptations to come back at some point in time, but this was a failure of massive proportions because of what he was doing with Epic Games and obviously what he was doing with the Gears of War series that he left. And, and the reason why I prefaced this with saying that is the rise and fall of Cliffy Beebs is because he was on cloud nine for a while with the success of the Gears of War series. It became such a massive success as a third person over the shoulder shooter, one of the first of its type being a, a rock star in the video game industry. I was with Angry Nick during E3 2009, I believe. It was E3 2009 or 2010. It just E3s just roll into each other, seemingly. And we were just sitting there on, on the floor. We are just tired after a long day of, of going around and checking out all the games that were out there. And I think we were near the Activision booth because there was, you know, Call of Duty something was just, you know, blaring all over the place. We we're just sitting down on the floor and here he comes walking by, arm in arm with, I don't know if his girlfriend or wife, beautiful blonde uh, that he had arm in arm, just carrying him. Just, and he's just walking down this road with the biggest grin on his face, looking at all of us like we were just, I don't know if he was just looking at us with disdain or just looking at us like, you guys were the lives I once had, and this is the life I have now. The sports cars, the rock star image, the, the beautiful women, et cetera, et cetera. And it just seemed like he was on a cloud nine. Now, I'm sure all of that was deserved because the fact to make a quality product such as the Gears of War series, him and Rod Ferguson had to have come up with something that was based off a lot of hard work and a lot of great programming and a great team that was behind them both. So he obviously deserved the success that, that was warranted to him. But I just remember that when I was reading the fact that he was closing up his studio, Radical Heights, and just remembering the good times that he had. I know Colin Campbell, Polygon, made an article similar to what I'm talking about when he was on late night talk shows, on you know, in news everywhere, the big star that he was becoming. And like I said, I remember that period of time when he was just 
on such a high of highs. And he felt like in the industry, he was the king of kings. And unfortunately, uh, he's, he's just had a, a sharp fall. Some of the decisions were based off the marketplace. Some of the decisions were on his own. But still, nonetheless, I'm still sad to see somebody that reached such a high as has now reached such a low. And I'm hopeful that he can actually get back in the industry and, and produce quality material once again in the video game industry. Josh, before we head on out, we got to talk about the Stanley Cup because I'm in Vegas and everybody's rocking the highs of highs. It's coming out this week, the Stanley Cup. They're facing off against the Washington Capitals. Hashtag no caps. Do you think Ovechkin and the Caps are going to do it? Or do you think the Cup's going to be won by the Golden Knights? I honestly, at this point, I've stopped making predictions because this is absolutely insane. The Washington Ovechkins have not made it to the Stanley Cup final either, so it'll be interesting either way. We'll see what happens. We will, and it'll be a great series either which way, but on behalf of the city of Las Vegas, go nice, go. Go nice, go. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening, and here's hoping you have yourself. A great day. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.